And now, a word from our sponsors. Summertime is here, and the best way to beat the heat is with these great deals at MythMark.com. Join the adventure with sisters Emma and Olivia as they journey through the land of imagination in search of Yoon, the magical unicorn, in David K. Montoya's The Missing Unicorn and the Land of the Zombie Fairies. Or travel with poet Christopher Bice as he shares his thoughts on love, death, inspiration, and madness in Escaping the Darkness, Running from My Dreams. If fantasy romance is more your speed, join Celeste and Merrick as they figure out how to defeat the evil Ren doll while they figure out the plans of the elders in Stephanie J. Vardy's The Chosen. Like comic books? We got them too! Hot Off the Press is American Smash by Alan Russo and David K. Montoya for $4.99. Or enjoy our older releases like The Hunter's Exodus for only $2.99. Also, just in time for the summer are these other hot deals like Zoe M. Montoya's Uni Whale t-shirt, blue for boys and pink for girls, only $33.99. Or Lupus Bits the Podcast shirt for $27.99. For all our art lovers, we have something for you too with our prints and lithographs. Check out the Ed Bickford collection for $15 each, or enjoy the art of Vincent May for $15. We have everything you'll need to stay inside and beat the summertime heat at MythMart.com. For more information, go to www.MythMart.com. Call us at 870-557-2612 or email sales at MythMart.com. Yeah, I remember Quinn and his family. It was uh, 2220. You know, life was a depressing, dead in existence thanks to the aftermath of global warming. The only thing they had to look forward to was a mandatory 40-year lifespan, at which point they'd be unceremoniously put to death and turned into compost. But only if they lived that long. You know, then one day, Quinn made a fateful decision, and, you know, there were disastrous consequences. Consequences that forced Quinn and his wife and their son and their friend, to flee the confines of the city in search of a different life. They were searching for something better. Their hopes lie in the distant snow-capped mountains, but to get there they had to cross that dreaded no-man's land, all while being chased by the World Order Security Police who had orders to shoot to kill, and their food and water was running short. Could they make it to reach their new lives? Read their inspiring story to find out in Jim Bates' Something Better, now available in paperback and ebook. For more information, go to www.mythmart.com. And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Welcome back to the Grindhouse Sleaze. I am your host, Alan Russo. I'm Dave Montoya. Today we're going to pick up where we left off from last week. Halloween, the original, and Rob Zombie's Halloween. Because they kind of tackled it in the, the reboot in the 2018 one. Well, you know, he, he held the mask in his hand. And he when he put the mask back on, you know, that's that's kind of what triggered him to you know go on a rampage again was it 
again, your idea, your ideology and your theory did when he put that mask on the Halloween mask, the one that we know, was that a silver shamrock mask? I mean, somebody needs to tackle this. And right. if not, if not, I know two writers that can sit down and write this out. <laughs> and see, that makes you wonder. And if you can tie it in and it is a silver shamrock mask, then part three ties in perfectly. I, I think so, because it's a good it just makes sense. It makes perfect sense. I mean, it, right. it kind of it kind of destroys the others, you know, like up until the curse of Michael Myers when they they make him this supernatural being. But I think at that point they were just trying to compete with Jason. Yeah. Because he felt more like Jason than he did Michael Myers. So, okay, moving into Rob Zombie's version. What is it that, well, number one, I, I never even put two and two together and realized that it was, what, 30 years after the original, 2008. Right. So I didn't, I didn't put two and two together. Why? I, I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of the right words to, to form this question. Why do you think it was Rob Zombie? Why do you think? Because Devil's Rejects was out was before or after before I think. So maybe he was uh, maybe he was writing off of the Devil's Rejects. I'm taking a look right now. Okay, so it was three years. So maybe that's what it was. Maybe it was the uh, Devil's. Well, I don't know because Devil's Rejects, if I remember right, it wasn't widely acclaimed when it first came out. No. It, it took it took a while for it. So I'm just kind of curious why, because I'll, I'll be totally honest with you. This movie has taken me, it's taken me years to grow on me. And when I first seen it, I was like, they perverse the idea of Halloween. Right. If you, if you think about it, they gave, he gave background that we didn't have in the original. Yes. And that's what I like about it. It gives you that background when he was a kid, why he did the things he did. It showed that progression from him being a normal kid to a psychopath. Yes, that that is one thing. Yeah. And again, it has taken me a while to for it to grow me. Like, I, I like the movie now. I legitimately enjoy the movie. Maybe it's just taken me that while to mentally get into that headspace. But yeah, totally. I do get it. Everything has, even though it's a perverse take on it, there's still a explanation for everything. Right. And, and I like the, the fact that they dive into the child Michael Myers and they show that psychopathic, sociopathic behavior. Oh, yeah. You know, at the same time, they also show... His family life too. <laughs> oh yeah, but they show his family life. Yes, they changed. Well, not really changed, because you don't know what his parents did or whatever in the original. So he took that and spun it a little bit. You know, he made her stripper, the stepdad an asshole. Now I I won't lie when Michael killed the stepdad. When he woke up with the duct tape, that was great. Right out the gate, that was great. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like, because as much as the stepdad was an asshole, you were just waiting for it. Yeah. Because you knew it was coming. Yeah. So you knew it was coming. So when he got it, you're like, yes. <laughs> you know, when you look at it, 
you know, the the mom was the only one that cared about him. The sister was a bitch. The boyfriend was a little asshole, you know, and he was real close with the sister. So, you know, it shows a fucked up family. Yes. Showed how he was mold, molded into who he become, which that's what I love about the remake or reboot, whatever. And then once you start adding some of the other characters, it gets a little deeper, you know, because the strip club owner, you know, all he's there for is to make money. Yeah, absolutely. So he's going to exploit the mom to make money. And she's going to pick up all the shifts that she can because her boyfriend, right, you know, was a lazy sack of shit. So he didn't have a job, yada, 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 made it the reason why she's picking up all these shifts. And then with her, the mom not being home and being around the stepdad all day, you know, he gets to the point he's fantasizing about killing him just to get rid of it because he yeah. don't like him. And to me, that's like the perfect setup. And it really is. Well, even in real life, you know, the, that's what they say with serial killers or killers in general is there's that fantasy and the fantasy becomes so strong that they actually enact it. And once they enact it, they have to keep going. It's, it's, right. It becomes that addiction. And that is real world, you know, real life behavior in a killer. So, yeah, I totally get that. Absolutely. Right. And then what I like, too, is it shows, you know, because the original they talked about he spent 15 years at Smith's Grove. Right. And how he didn't talk, stuff like that. And in the remake, you know, he's talking at first, interacting, and then slowly progresses. It was after his, talking. It was after his wife or his wife, his mom, Rob Zombie's wife. His mom killed herself because she felt like she was a failure. Right. Remember? Yeah. And that that and again, that trigger that makes sense. Yep. And then on top of that, you know, he started making the masks. Yes. And it's like, why do you make the mask? And then he, his specific line was, it hides, well, not specific, but it hides who I really am. You know, people don't see me for me. They see, right. you know, I'm hiding behind this mask, which was an interesting concept because. He's ashamed of who he is. Yeah. Of what right. he's done. Right. But when he's wearing the mask. He's not ashamed. You know, he, that mask is his release. I guess you would say, because when he's wearing the mask, he don't care. You know, he's not the man behind the mask. Yeah. He's not responsible for the killings. Right. Is that's not him. Right. And it makes, makes perfect sense. And then you get it a little bit deeper, you know, once he escapes, you know, and they, they do the escape a little bit different. You know, they actually show him getting out. Yes. And, you know, you got that whole rape scene. That was intense. I, I'm was. not even going to sugarcoat it. That was freaking intense. Right. And, you know, he was content with who he was inside the asylum. He saw that rape, and I think it was a trigger to kill again. Because... You know, it doesn't really say it, but he imagined 
what if that was his sister, his little sister? Right. You know, and I think it triggered something. You know, you go along and then you got Danny Trejo's character. Yeah. The the janitor. Yeah. Right. It kind of makes an interesting point when he tells them, you got to look beyond the walls, you know, because I think that little line, because up until that point, you know, Michael was still talking, interacting. Right. And I think what it was is he dug into his own mind while he was sitting there behind the walls. And that what led the progression of who he became, because as he's going and progressing, he goes deeper and deeper into his psyche, which makes it 10 times worse. Right. Now, how do you feel about Malcolm McDowell playing Samuel Loomis, Dr. Loomis? How do you feel? Because it was two different approaches. It was not the same Loomis that we knew from the original series. He didn't do a bad job, but he wasn't that relaxed, you know, laid back, relaxed, calculated, like the original Loomis. Yes. You know, with the original Loomis, he calculated everything, you know, tried to figure out step for step what he's going to do, stuff like that. Yeah, I, I, because I liked him in uh, Clockwork Orange, yeah. you know, as, as an actor. And I don't know if that's where I'm stuck on him. Well, no, because he did an excellent job in 31, too. Yeah. But I don't know. I just felt like he, I don't know. I just didn't like him as Sam Loomis. When he played Sam Loomis, it was, he's an eccentric actor. Right. Where Donald Pleasance was that kind of a laid back type actor. And all of Malcolm McDowell's uh, (laughs) characters, yeah. Characters, yeah. You know, he's always played a high strung character. And I think when he played Loomis, he played that character a little bit more high strung. Because when you go into the remake of part two, you see more of the, you know, he's in it for the money. Yeah. He, he wants told, the fame. Total different character from Loomis that we know. Yeah. Right. You know, I think that's half the reason in the original or the original remake, he wanted to be that guy. And I think that's why his character went a different way than Donald Pleasant's. Because he was in it that if he can catch him, he's going to be famous. He can write a book, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, and that's... And you can see it. Oh, yeah, totally. By the progression. Then when you get into some of the other characters, comes back around to Daniel Harris as playing the best friend. I think that was an interesting choice because she played Lori's daughter in yeah. part four. Yeah, yeah, she played Jamie. Which would have been, I think, in a better move, which would have been totally ironic. To make her Lori. To make her Lori. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. I mean, I think that would have been a better move. Some of the other, I guess, progression throughout the movie that he changed, I think, I, I feel made it better. In the original, the only one that survives is Lori. Yes. In his adaptation... What was her name? Nancy? No. Who was the best friend? Of the original? Both. 
Annie. Annie. Annie Brackett. Yeah. Took me a second. Yeah. You know, because that was the character that Danielle played. For her to survive in the remake made it interesting. Yeah. Because it gave a little bit more depth for Sheriff Brackett. And when you get into part, the second remake, or part two's remake, that's when Lori finds out that Michael Myers are all due to Loomis's book. And it shows the rift between her and Annie, which makes it interesting. The ending to the remake part two, I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. I sincerely hated it. It was all in her I freaking mean, head. No, no, come on. Right. What I mean, let down. was it all in her head? Right. You know, it makes you wonder if all the events from part one and part two were in her head or just the events of part two. Right. That wasn't answered. Yeah. I'm thinking more along the lines of the events of part two is what was all in her head because she went crazy at the end of part one or she went crazy after she figured out who she really was. Yeah. Because let's see. I'm looking here. I know I saw it. Um, Because, and here's my theory, is none of the killings started until after she figured out, after or after she found out that she was Michael's sister. Yeah. Yeah, because there's a scene, I seen it somewhere talking about, you know, she found out that she was Michael's sister in part two. She's walking around drunk saying, I'm Michael Myers' sister. I'm screwed. I'm so screwed. Well, she didn't, right. she didn't use screwed, but, you know. You know, it makes you wonder the way it ended and the fact that none of the killings started. Well, I think there was one killing at the beginning. Yeah. And But once she found out she was Michael's sister, that's when the rest of the killings began. So it makes you wonder if when she found out, she just snapped and it was her doing the killings and not Michael. Right. And that's why she's in the asylum. It's kind of makes you wonder. I'm just looking here. I'm, I'm trying to see if there's any if there's any type of explanation or talk. I've never found anything. Here's a fun fun little tidbit for you. In part two, the f bomb was dropped 112 times. Does that surprise you with Rob Zombie? <laughs> no. <laughs> Speaking of that, uh, made me think of something. If you go back to the original Halloween, there is very little nudity in the original Halloween. Was there any at all? Yes. When the sister's brushing her hair at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. The boob shot. Yeah. Right. I remember that. You got that. And then when PJ Souls says, do you see anything you like? Yeah. 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 And it's a quick sheet down. That's it. That was the, all the nudity in the original. Oh yeah. That, that was a big change. <laughs> right. Even in part two, the original part two, there's very little nudity because when they get in the hot tub, that's the only nudity in the whole movie. Yeah. So, you know, those movies worked really well with minimum nudity. Well, you don't have to have, uh, what do they call them? You don't have to have horror porn. No. I mean, it's it's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. But to make a good movie, you don't, you don't have, have to. to. Right. You don't have to have it. Like in certain aspects in the original, you know, she's brushing her hair and all she's wearing a pair of underwear. Well, 
that gives you insight on what they did before Michaels walked upstairs. Right. You know, even though he's putting a shirt on, that could mean nothing. Right. And then you get up and you see that. Okay. Now you know what they were doing. Right. Right. You know, later on when PJ Soul's character, you know what they were doing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But no question. Right. But it looked more like they were tickling each other than actually doing anything. Yeah. I you think, know, you know, I think that might've been one of the reasons why I'm so disappointed with part two was that part, like, again, and I think you and I both agree that part two is our favorite one out of all of them. And when the remake came back and by the time the remake came in and uh, part two was coming in, you kind of, you're like, okay, yeah, I, I'm down for this, you know? Right. And again, both us being rooted in the medical field, we were hoping to have that and to not have that with what we got. I think maybe that was part of the big, for me, speaking only for me, the big disappointment. Oh, yeah, me too. Because I was expecting more of a remake of part two with aspects changed. Yes, like they did with part one. Yes. Right. I wasn't expecting to have that short part two experience. And then you jump to like six months to a year later. Ah, I just found the answer. The theatrical cut ending was reshot enforced by the Weinsteins. The original ending saw all principal characters, including Lori's killed off, which didn't go over well with them. The Weinsteins to keep the possibility of yet another sequel open. Zombie was forced to reshoot the ending where Laurie survived and said, there you go. There you go. That's why you got that crappy ending is because he was forced to do it. And that's why he wouldn't, right. that's why he wouldn't come back to do a, a three, a third one is because he's like, no, I'm not doing it again. He said that uh, this, I do know that he hated working at the Weinstein company. And he was, oh, yeah. He wasn't going back to work there. He only did those two movies and that was it. Right. And, you know, I don't blame him because when you force change like they did, it would have gave you like what Rob Zombie wanted to do. It gave you closure. They're all dead. Fine. We're done. Yeah. Even if Michael didn't die, you still had that opportunity to continue. I mean, where would you continue from that point? Who knows? But you know, because you lose the aspect like that in part four, where between two and four, Jamie had a kid. Right, right. And the one thing I don't like about going from two to four of the original series is Jamie's like, what, eight years old? Something, Something like, like that. that. Yeah. So after the events of part two and he's killed off, why did it take eight years or actually longer than that, we'll probably say 10 years, long enough for her to meet somebody, get married and have a kid, you know? So why did it take 10 years for Michael to wake back up? That makes yeah. no sense. It doesn't. That doesn't make sense. You know? And I just thought about that, you know, because Lori was still alive. So why didn't he come back after Lori if he wasn't dead? And why didn't he come back when Jane was younger? Yeah. You know, when she was more vulnerable. 
oh, dude, we could totally tackle those. We could tackle those. Because, like, I was so pissed when we're talking about the originals. Um, You know, they the Curse of Michael Myers, they brought Jamie back, which wasn't Danielle Harris. It was some other character. And they killed her off to give her another kid. Right. That just really got under my skin. Oh, yeah. Uh, That one, as far as the original, that was my least favorite, to be honest with you. Well, for that reason. I mean, the only thing I love about the original is it gave you the rest of the series. You know, but what they did in part six, yeah, that kind of ticked me off. Now, H2O, it's not bad. The only thing I hated about H2O is it pretty much deletes everything. Yeah. Four, five, and six. You know, it picks up 20 years after part two. See, I thought it was that she faked her death. This is, again, my take. I thought she faked her death, left her kid, Lori or Jamie, with an orphanage. So she could fake her death and, and get away and restart life with this new dude. That's what I thought. Yeah, but why would you do that? Why would you leave your kid? You know, know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, no, I mean, logically, I know. But logically, for it to work, is she should have faked her death, all their deaths. And then you start 20 years later. Or, you know, that's what I would have done. Because in H2O... She never mentions having another kid. No. You know, it's just the son. Yeah. You know, it's nothing else. So, you know, it makes no sense. Your theory only makes sense so far because Jamie was never mentioned in H2O. So it's like Jamie never existed. I felt like after H2O, Resurgence, there was another one, wasn't there? There was like one more. Before you get to Halloween, there was H2O, Resurrection. That's it. Resurrection and Resurgence. Yeah. I knew there was three of them. I just, I don't know. It, to me, it felt like, I don't know. I, I just felt like they were losing it by then. They were just cash grabbing as far because story, there was no correlation to the story. Each new story was different. I don't know. With uh, Resurrection, the first 15 minutes, you know, you correlated with the story. Then after that, it doesn't really matter. Right. I mean, then you got Bust Rhymes getting his ass kicked by Michael Myers. <laughs> yeah. You know, with H2O, you know, it's like four, five, and six doesn't exist. You know, it picks up perfectly 20 years after part two. You know, and it's great, you know, when you're looking at it from timeline because four, five, and six they got dumber and dumber and dumber. So when they created H2O, it was like, okay, we're going to forget that shit. We're going to start here and go 20 years. Yeah. The only downside about H2O is Donald Pleasance died prior to the filming. Yeah. So they had to use back footage. Stop. Well, not even footage. It was a, sound you know because it was just nothing but a voiceover right right and but it made sense that michael went to his house to figure out you know where Lori went because it makes you because the interesting part 
part about it is it's like, you know, 20 years later. So it's like, what's Michael been doing for 20 years? And up until the point he ransacks Loomis's house, it makes you, it kind of gives you that idea that he's been looking for Lori for 20 years. Yeah. You know, he survived part two and he's been looking for Lori for 20 years because she up and disappeared after the events of part two, because she's living in Northern California, which makes perfect sense. That does. Yes. So that little theory actually works. And here is a little thing that I noticed the other day. It's a little Easter egg for you. Okay. Well, you know, the secretary is played by Janet Lee, her mother. Yeah. 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 I got that. Okay. The car that Janet Lee drives uh-huh. is the same car from Psycho and is the same license plate from Psycho. No kidding. Yep. That's not awesome. A, I did not know that. Yeah. And it wasn't a replica car. It was the exact same car that she drove in Psycho with the same license plate. That That's, that's pretty cool homage. Yep. Because we all know that John Carpenter was a huge fan of Alfred Hitchcock. Right. I thought that was a little neat little Easter egg. Yes, I agree. What What is your final thoughts on, on you know, the remakes and the originals? What do you give it? I would give the original two, one and two, four stars. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Easy. The remake of one, yeah, about a three and a half. Because it's a solid story, gives you a little bit extra. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I would go you know, because the second, yeah, the second half is almost a complete remake of the first, the or the original, just cut down for time, and it gives you that backstory. Now the remake of part two, I'd barely give it one. <laughs> give it half a star. Yeah, I mean that's just being honest. Yeah, I I totally agree. I mean it had potential. Oh, it did. It had. It was all the way up until that. That towards the end is where it fell apart. And yep. of course, now we know it was because of the Weinstein's. But yeah, it fell apart. Yeah, I mean, it fell apart right about the whole dinner scene thing. After that, I was like, "What the hell am I watching?" <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. Um, I I still say that the original part two was the best. Yes. Um, I think for what it was, I think that part one, the original part one, comes in a close second. Then the remake of part one, for what it was, like I said, I, I didn't, I wasn't crazy about it right out the gate. It took time, but then I got used to the the idea and, and understood the psychology behind it. But I just, I did not like part two. I did not. No, I was disappointed. I felt when I walked out of the theater, I remember feeling disappointed. Yep. You know, a lot of that had to, had to do with the ending. Yeah. And the transition from the hospital to everything else. Yeah, because, I mean, honestly, if they wanted to do that, they, they could have written, you know, something, anything. You know, they're all dead. They're laying there dead. And you see Lori on the ground and she's covered in blood. And you think she's dead. And all of a sudden she gasps, you know, and cut. That's it. In the movie. Right. That would have been a, that would have been suffice. Yep, that would have been perfect. But you know, you gotta love the Weinstein's and their infinite wisdom. Yeah, let's put her in a psych. Yeah, 
No, and let Bob walk down the hall with a white horse. What the hell, yeah. Right. Oh, goodness. So what do you got for us next week, bro? Haven't decided yet. I'm trying to... Have you seen... Well, they're on the the Voodoo account, the Unfriended and Unfriended 2. Yeah. Jay is... He's mentioned his interest in joining the show if we reco- if we review those movies. Okay. Those, those are his two favorite movies. Right. I don't know. We'll have it's, to see what I can come up with. Okay. If not, then um, maybe I could sit down and, and do like a special with him or something because he's never podcasted with me before. Right. So, so I thought that would be fun. But yeah, yeah you, be. you know me. I just finished watching all of the, the Purge movies. So we can talk Purge. I don't know. We'll come up with something. All right. I was going to say maybe Psycho. We dive into some Psycho. Dude, that might be interesting. Psycho Run? Yeah, let's do Psycho. The original? Let's do another compare and contrast with the original and the remake. Ooh, okay. I'm in. Let's do that. Sounds good. All right, bro. All right. Send us home. All right. We're out of here. I'm Alan Russo. I'm Dave Montoya. Don't look for the monsters under your bed because they're all in your head. Y'all have a good one. See ya.